Hello, and welcome back to Lost in Citations, our regular podcast where we speak to the producers of interesting content and see if we can learn a little bit more about their background. Joining us today is Rupeshka Konawadana, who is a university ambassador from the University of Kalania in Sri Lanka. Very nice to speak to you today, Rupeshka. Hi, hello. So uh, it's nice to meet you too. I think the first time that we connected was you had a university project, a university research project that you were working on where you were com you were uh, looking at my model of English and that of uh, Edgar Schneider. Is that right? Yes. Yes. During my first year of the degree, I had this question with regard to your model. We had that for English as a global language. Mm -hmm. So I contacted you. Yeah, that was a that was a, an interesting move because, uh, well, first of all, it was very flattering that your professor had decided, first of all, to use my model as something in your class, but also that he put me up against uh, Edgar Schneider, who is obviously a, a much higher level, much more highly rated uh, researcher than I. Uh, but also, it's a smart move. It was really nice that you thought the best thing to do was, well, we'll just contact the writers. All right, so the paper we're going to be speaking about today um, has quite a long title. Uh, it's called An Analysis of How Current Social Media Trends Affect the Transformation of Sri Lankan English Morphological Processes, a study based on Antineta YouTube channel. So as many of our listeners know, I have a, a, an interest in world Englishes and uh, different English varieties, but Sri Lankan English is not one that comes up very often. And early in your paper, you use the term transplanted Englishes from uh, Braj Katru. Could you give us some background to the linguistic history of Sri Lanka for those listeners who don't know much about this area of linguistics in Asia? Yes. So um, first, when it comes to Sri Lanka, um, which is also known as the Pearl of the Indian Ocean. And uh, officially, it is called as the Democratic Socialist Republic of Sri Lanka. And it is an island uh, in South Asia. Uh, it lies in the Indian Ocean, and it has a population of around 22 million. And it is a multinational state. It is a home to diverse cultures, languages, and ethnicities. So Sinhalese are the majority of the nation's population and the Tamils are the large minority group and also have played an influential role in the island's history. Other long established groups uh, include Moors, the Burgers, the Malays, the Chinese and the indigenous called Bandas. So, and with regard to that, the language diversity in Sri Lanka is highly observed. And um, when it comes to English language in Sri Lanka, Sri Lankan English is the language used by Sri Lankans who choose to use English for whatever purpose in Sri Lanka. And it has been used along with other languages such as Sinhalese and Tamil. And uh, it belongs to the family of South Asian Englishes of which Indian English is the best known and most established example that we can give. Although um, Indian English itself is, of course, hugely diverse, Indian English and Sri Lankan English have much in common, 
but both varieties evolved from the English of the British colonials of the 19th century. So English in Sri Lanka dates back to uh, British colonization at the beginning of the 19th century. And uh, Sri Lanka, then known as Ceylon, was declared a crown colony with English as its official language. And um, although Sri Lanka gained independence from the British in 1948, English continued to function as the country's official language up until 1956, when Sinhala became the sole official language under the terms of the Official Language Act. Um, the official recognition was not accorded to English until 1987. So in this year, there was this 13th amendment to the constitution uh, and it was declared and it stated that Tamil and Sinhala shall be the official languages of Sri Lanka with English as the link language. So mm. even today, it is the language used in Supreme Court and it has the strong presence in the media and in advertising. It is making a comeback in the country's education system even. And uh, it is the undisputed language of choice in the private business and commercial sectors. And in other words, it's the hegemonic grip on the country is still very evident. And uh, even within a small country like Sri Lanka, and uh, even within the relatively tiny English speaking community, there are sub varieties of Sri Lankan English. So Sinhalese, Tamils, Muslims, and burghers speak different varieties. So Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims have their own vocabularies. The older generation speak a different language from the younger generation. And uh, the wealthy Colombo elite, Colombo is the commercial capital in Sri Lanka, and they tend to speak English as their first language, speak a different variety from the wider community, and there is also most of the speakers in Sri Lanka, they use English as their second language. So Sorry. it is most of the speakers, they are bilinguals mm. who speak English. They are mostly bilinguals. So and, if, if uh, someone was to if someone was to come to, for example, Colombo uh, for you know business or um travel or academic reasons or, or things like that uh how yeah. common would it be for someone in colombo to be able to uh, speak english and uh, assist it them like, if they have any questions um, yes most of the time in colombo uh, the english usage is very higher in a higher rate uh, when comparing it to the other states in the country hmm. so um as it is the commercial capital, if somebody from a foreign country comes, uh, the person is more likely to um, get the help and whatever the assistance that the person need very easily using English language. Mm. And there is this Colombo elite group, the people who speak English as the first language, they are very well known as the elite group. That's an interesting point that, that you bring up, that uh, this idea of the, the Colombo elite, is this something that separates them from other users of uh, English uh, in the 
country. For example, if you were to go to somewhere outside of Colombo or, or to um, a more rural place, would the use of English yes. be as common? No. Most of the time, um, when it comes to the rural areas, it's um, most of the time it's limited to the education system, but not in the day-to-day -day lives in the society that we speak, like Colombo group. And um, I must say, when it comes to the perceptions, I should say that it is interesting, as even today, most Sri Lankans are quite happy to say that they are they speak English and even to speak in English, but they are not really interested in knowing which variety they speak. Mm. They just speak English. So I am happy to say that I speak Sri Lankan English and it's because I'm aware of it. But most of the time, people do not know that they have a variety called Sri Lankan English in Sri Lanka and they speak it. So for generations, people have believed that they speak British English and keeping this belief in mind, some Sri Lankans still look to the BBC or receive pronunciation mm. or RP as the correct usage of English. So we know that RP is spoken in England also by a very minor number of people. Right. So yes. that personally, for me, post-colonial society, mm. in a post-colonial society such as ours, there is evidence for linguistic servitude as well. So I believe uh, that we have acknowledged that we have and we own a language which we can call as Sri Lankan English. Mm. And we have to do more research and start qualifying it to bring more awareness in our society. Well, certainly. And this is a point that came up when I spoke with Professor Martin in the Philippines and Professor Gardner from uh, Brunei Dar es Salaam, that the perception of what English is being used and how it is actually performed is sometimes a little bit different. And this is where your research uh, comes in. So you were looking at uh, YouTube videos as a source for your data. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, the part of the title is a study based on Antineta uh, YouTube channel. Um, yeah, so your study uses YouTube videos as a as a data source. Uh, why did you choose this social media over other sources that you could use? Uh, for example, uh, Facebook or Instagram. I mean, they may be more textual than audio, but um, was there a particular reason why YouTube was a good choice for you? Yes, um, I'm not saying that Facebook, Instagram or Twitter or any other social media cannot be taken for this study, but different social media platforms serve different features and services. So due to the distinctness, uh, it affects how people communicate and speak within these platforms. So that depends. For example, if we consider Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, this is very much obvious. So Twitter is used for quick reading for in, of information and it encourages the use of limited word count per tweet. So meanwhile, Facebook provides much longer writing of messages. On the other hand, Instagram is primarily a picture and video mm -hmm. media platform, which has no limitations in terms of message length. So now when it comes to YouTube, it is an open platform that embraces a variety of languages and cultures across geographic boundaries. And many of its users are aware that 
anyone can access the videos that have been uploaded on the platform because of its algorithm. Mm. So other social media platforms do not necessarily show this ability. As an example, I'm from Sri Lanka. And if I post something on Facebook or Instagram, it does not has a wider community or wider audience and does not reach people across countries due to its privacy policies and location algorithms. So YouTube is very much different from that. And mainly it's audiovisual content. So it's quite interesting. YouTube makes uh, it possible for viewers who are often geographically distant from each other, like you and I, to participate mm. in the enjoyment of the content they watch. So in this context, I think the languages that YouTubers use to communicate with their viewers may significantly influence respective social uh, groups in many ways. And also the evidence that I bring out in the study is credible in that sense, because it is very much obvious. You can see that, you can hear that. And the study has focused on Sri Lankan English morphological processes mm. that can be found in those videos, videos so that anyone who wishes to listen to how they are pronounced or how they are used in speaking, mm. they, they are just one click away. So more than the written discourse, I think uh, the videos or the audiovisual data sources are very much uh, obvious and credible in the study. That's why I chose YouTube videos. Yeah, spoken discourse, I think, is is the first place where we we kind of see these differences or the the differences between different varieties become very very evident um i remember yes. and again i'm i'm an old man now but when i was uh, first looking into world englishes there was a conversation about whether there was going to be a, a, an academic conversation whether there was going to be a possibility uh, of an academic world written english that uh, could be uh, decided and I, I think that we're, we're kind of working our way into that direction as uh, the internet and uh, you know the spell checking becomes so much more uh, automatic and the things that we write down become fixed before our very eyes without us needing to um, do very much about it or uh, did you mean to say and then you get the recommendation so that's kind of getting smoothed out but I think when you listen to people from different places and you see them perform uh, in for example the YouTube videos this is where we really get the the sense of um, variety now before we get into the the contents of the study itself well, two of the things that you look at when you pick out contents from the videos uh, is the construction of new words through things like blending and compounding. By doing the study, did the study cause you to notice how much this occurs, not just in Sri Lankan English, but also in other media from Anglophone countries? Yes, um, it is very interesting, honestly. So in the study, uh, to examine blending, as you have mentioned, uh, we used Ina Hogan's classification of borrowing, and this blending comes under that. So mm. according to Hogan, borrowing is a process in which the attempted reproduction in one language of patterns previously found in another. So according to Hogan, 
He further classifies this burrowing, the process of burrowing into three main parts as lawn words, lawn shifts, and lawn blends. So since you're interested in knowing blending, I would like to give you some examples from Sri Lankan English for the lawn blends. So lawn blends are categorized into three subsections, as I said. So blended stem, blended derivative, and blended compounds are there according to Hogan's classification. So the study examines how Sri Lankan English is influenced by the formation of new words according to this classification. So if I take an example to elaborate this more, let's take the word bailas. So baila is coming under the category of performing arts. And uh, in Sri Lanka, baila refers to Portuguese folk dancing in towns along the sea coast. So it has this Portuguese origin and it is found in Sri, Lanka, Sri Lankan uh, singular vocabulary as well. So we see the speaker uses the regular plural suffix s at the end of the word baila to form its plural form. Mm. So that we call it as um, a blended stem. And uh, when it comes to a blended derivative, when considering them, uh, we can see that the derivational suffix in English language, the phi, F-Y, is observed in forming new words in Sri Lankan English. But this generates a very small amount of verbs mm. and were found in verbs such as sweetify and uh, mirikunifying. So in sweetify, it is special because it does not highlight any borrowing from another language, but mm. to English words. So the word means to enhance the flavor of a food, as you know, sweet. So an English adjective has got, got along with an English derivational suffix phi. So there we see that uh, the English-English fusion. And there are also single English uh, blended derivatives mm. like uh, Mirikanifying. So mm. those are mm. the examples that I found in the videos. So it means uh, in Singhala, we call Mirikanava as uh, to squeeze something. Or if I elaborate further, it means extracting a liquid from something from uh, by compressing or twisting it firmly. Mm. So there we see the singular verb has got along with an English derivational suffix phi mm. to form a new word in Sri Lankan English. Is there a particular reason why the uh, the suffix phi is preferred in Sri Lanka than to use the what we might consider the, the, the British or the American English uh, uh, N? So sweetie phi, I think, has the same meaning as sweeten yeah exactly. is there is there a particular reason why in sri lanka you would prefer is there a semantic or pronunciational reason why adding phi is more linguistically comfortable or preferable i think uh, that is in a youtube video i think uh, when the listeners hear that it also creates some sort of you know, like enjoyment for them. Mm, when mm. you say say that, when you say Mirikanifying, because we Sri Lankans, when there is a singular word along with an English word, mm. it gives the sense of 
enjoyment for us, like mirikanifying, you say that, but you know that this means squeezing, but mm. it has a singular word and also it has got along with an English um, derivation suffix. So I think there is no special reason, but um, in the videos, I think uh, the usage of those words are just used for the sole purpose of enjoyment of the audience. And also that it is, uh, well, I'd, I'll go out on a limb and say it, it's probably unique to Sri Lankan English. So is there a kind of sense of uh, enjoyment because the innovation is uniquely Sri Lankan? I think so. Mm. Uh, because uh, you find a Sri Lankan word along with an English uh, derivational suffix. So mm. you form a new verb out of that. So... I think uh, I can agree with you that. And like I said, did, did this kind of turn on your monitor when you looked at, uh, you know, the use of English in Sri Lanka and also in other countries where you started noticing these innovations uh, more than you did before the study? You started seeing how people in different countries, whether they were Anglophone or whether they were using it as a second or third or foreign language, did you start noticing more of these innovations after you did the study? Um, in Sri Lankan English, yes. Mm -hmm. um, when, I, when I started doing this study, of course, uh, even in the spoken context, even within my friends, there are a vast number of words that we can take as examples. Mm -hmm. So even uh, the blended compounds, I can give you an example. Uh, there's this word called jumbo stealer. So, uh, that means blending of two or more stems from different languages. Jambu means rose apples. Uh, in Sinhala, we call jambu as rose apples. And so with those rose apple stealer, the speaker uses jambu stealer. So it shows a morphemic substitution where the stealer in English is uh, got along with a Sinhala equivalent called jambu. And it forms the word jambu stealer so when when is yeah. this uh, when is this used obviously it's the occasion of someone stealing rose apples but uh, is this a common occurrence in sri lanka people stealing uh, it is apples not a common, <laughs> no no it is not a common occurrence uh, it is used um, i think uh, even in the spoken context on the daily basis, I think people tend to use this. Even I use that, not mm. jumbo stealer, but something else. We tend to use those words with some other word. We can say that. Oh, where, with the, I mean the word stealer? Yeah. For example, uh, Sri Lankan English, as with other um, world varieties of English, are kind of uh, word stealers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always, I always like um, the listening to um, lexicographers speak, and the you know the people who put together dictionaries, and how they talk about the idea that English is a a language that has borrowed more words from yes. other languages than any other language, uh, but also it should be called stealing because you don't give them back. It's like you, you don't borrow them for a you don't borrow them for a short amount of time and then the language gets them back. You just you just take them in and that's why you know English has the largest uh, 
spoken vocabulary uh, of yeah. any of any world languages. Uh, do you have any favorite words that you have found that have been constructed in this manner? Uh, is there anything that um... uh, that you enjoy hearing or when you when it when it turns up it, it kind of you, you notice it immediately of course every time that i notice um a different word like which is not originally english hmm. it is very interesting like uh, you know but packet we say but packet you know packet is a packet mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, but we call uh, rice in singhala so we call but packet and uh, there are so many words like that. I think every time that I uh, look or come across or when I'm speaking with my friends or even in the texting, even in WhatsApp or Facebook or anywhere, we can find those. So it's really interesting. And um, there is no particular uh, favorite word but uh, to be honest, uh, I enjoy when I <laughs> look at mm. those words because it's very interesting how they are formed. Mm. Yeah, uh, me too. I, I I live in, as you know, I live in Japan. I've been here for more than 20 years now. And, and so I have seen over the last couple of decades how English has become more common in uh, Japanese language use. And my, my favorite is always just because it makes me I, I don't think of it as a as a negative, but it does uh, amuse me the use of the Japanese uh, when they use my. So it wouldn't just be a car loan; they would call it my car loan, as in it's mine, okay. or my number. And they also have something called my number card. But this has recently developed into adding your to the front of it, as in expressing it to a third person. So they'll have things yes. like your my number, or yeah. your your my star, or things like that. So it's they're they're borrowing and they don't need to give it back, but uh, it is to hear it being used in another language is pr pretty interesting. To and me. also, um, mm -hmm. I must say that uh, even in the English language, well-known examples of blends including brunch, like breakfast Absolutely. and lunch. Smog, uh, smog, smoking, frog, fog, fog, yep. <clears throat> and uh, sitcom, motel, chillax, mm. those are there. Like, um, and in the other social media platforms, such as Instagram, is one of the new and popular social media platforms by present, and mm. it attack, attracts people's attention. And uh, in this platform, where users are able to uh, communicate where media photos and video sharing mm. and of course we all know what Instagram is and it contributes in making some new words which are related to word formation processes so mm. the word hashtag can be highlighted so this process can be found in Instagram's captions which is using hashtag and it is a trend now even mm. in present and um, even in Twitter and uh, it is it has become increasingly popular because of its broad audience. We all know police, politicians, actors, singers, students, basically everyone is active on Twitter mm. and shares their thoughts and recommendations on specific topics. The users of Twitter also, it's very interesting because this is not only happening in um, Sri Lankan English, 
or any other variety of English, even in English itself, it happens. So the words such as tweet, tweeterer, I came across those retweet, mm. tweet or spear mm. can be highlighted. <laughs> it's very interesting. Well, it is the social media. The, the reason why I, I, I found your uh, study very interesting is because that is social media is the forum within which language is most likely to uh, be experienced by people who don't use it on a regular basis. So the ability of people who haven't experienced uh, Sri Lankan English could go to uh, these, uh, to, could go to a YouTube channel and uh, find out about it. But also, I was discussing this with a, with a colleague the other day, uh, the, the speed of development through things, as you point out, like functional shift, where uh, to tweet is now a verb or Google is now a verb or yeah. uh, I don't know uh, what's but in, in, uh, yeah, what's up but in in Japan now like uh, gram is now a verb so you don't you don't just put it on Instagram you you gram it gram it so uh, and so I yeah. should say that we still stumble up over words that we have never occurred to us before like COVID-19 in the <laughs> previous years but I should ask the question whether the writers are still responsible for that phenomenon or has a new source developed over the years that is now in charge for the establishment of new neologisms. So mm. we call this neologism. So now this idea I'm saying is from a global perspective with regard to English language. We all know that the younger generation use social media much more than classic works by Shakespeare or any other classical writer. Mm -hmm. So due to this enormous uh, usage of social media, the question arises whether it creates a new wave of new words and whether mm -hmm. the younger generation take it up in these platforms and use it in their everyday life. And I think uh, with the passing of time, we will find them in dictionaries too eventually in the future. And this phenomena is common to any variety, I think, no matter if it is Sri Lankan English or Indian English or even American or British English. It happens globally and very frequently, I think. Well, that you, you use the right word there, which is common. So uh, when words turn up, you know, neologisms uh, occur in the language, wherever they occur, uh, they can occur and they can go away very quickly if they are not taken into common usage. But once yes. they are taken into common usage, then they can become popular to the point that they are no longer considered. They, they're just they are, they are they just become part of the lexis. And it's something that I bring up quite a lot when I'm talking to my students here in Japan about the English language. There isn't uh, some group of people, some council that sit around and say, this is English, this isn't English. We don't have l'Académie Française that decides that you can't use le weekend um, and uh, you have to use la semaine or, or whatever. You English has no gatekeeping function for what is or isn't a word. The only thing that decides whether it's going to stay is whether people use it. And I think that social media has been uh, a, an intensifier of that effect. So let's get into the paper that uh, you wrote. Um, you, you chose a particular YouTube channel, uh, so Antinetta, 
And uh, is there, was there any reason why you chose that channel in particular? Is it uh, very popular? Is it uh, very popular with people of your age? Uh, does it have it a is. wide variety? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so how did why did you choose that channel? Yes, it is popular, and um, of course, to bring up evidence, I think uh, that YouTube channel is very much comprehensive. And uh, when we consider this person of Auntie Netta or the person who acts as Auntie Netta, Nimmi Harasgama, so the, there, there was a rationale behind choosing this um, channel. And uh, because her Sri Lankan language roots and the time duration of her videos that date back around 12 years, which gave the ability to weave the language change, mm the change that has occurred to the language that she speaks and uh, even in the light of the selected videos the current study attempted to seek address to identify and analyze those processes morphological processes that has occurred through the years mm -hmm. and uh, she's a very uh, rewarded actress and um, her roots are also in Sri Lanka as well as she was educated in a foreign country. Mm -hmm. So we thought the study is very much um, successful when we use her videos other than any other YouTube channel. So this is a, a YouTube channel that, that most people, even not just in your uh, age group, but most people in Sri Lanka would be familiar with. Yeah, yeah. yes. And did she start this? YouTube channel because uh, you, know, you said that she was already a, a, a rewarded actress. Yes. So she was she was she was known before this. So uh, did she start this YouTube channel for commercial purposes, or was this just because she wanted to do something um, a little bit different? Initially, it was for uh, her hobby or something. I think. But then uh, there were commercial purposes as well as she was doing many collaborations with uh, brands and all. But mm. still, um, the language usage was Sri Lankan English. And mm. uh, the usage of Sri Lankan English was very much obvious in the YouTube videos that she was doing, even for the commercial purposes. So mm. it's very interesting because uh, even though we tend to use English language in Sri Lanka for those uh, commercial and international purposes, um, she and the brands also accept that Sri Lanka, her usage of English, the Sri Lankan English usage, because it's very much credible when it goes to the audience. Right. So, yeah. Well, I, I was I was drawn to some of the titles in there, particularly uh, Netta Loves Biryani. Uh, I, I think I could make yeah. a YouTube video called Haswell Loves Biryani. Um, that's that's always yes. my choice. Um, so how did you extract the text and how did you code it? Were you did you run it through uh, transcription or did you have to hand transcribe or how did you um, get the I hand transcribed the, the videos. Mm. So it was like. Um, I watch the videos that where I can find as many examples that I can give. So mm -hmm. then I transcribe the videos. Uh, so then I only found the evidences that I can give for the study. And so once you have those examples, uh, which system of coding did you choose to, um, uh, to categorize the findings? 
So it was a qualitative uh, content analysis uh, mm. was conducted. So eight videos and uh, these eight videos that I chose were categorized under four morphological processes. And uh, it was considering the availability of examples in the videos. And um, I, of course, as I mentioned earlier, used various theoretical frameworks, such as uh, Hogan's uh, classification for burrowing and uh, the four morphological processes that I used to analyze the content were burrowing, compounding, affixation, and reduplication. Mm. Yes. And so to uh, some of our uh, listeners might not have uh, much uh, background in uh, conversation analysis. Could you give us uh, a kind of a version of your conclusions? What did you find was uh, the most common type of, um, you know, lexical shift or morphology? It is burrowing. It is hmm. burrowing. And uh, the most productive one was compounding. Of course, uh, even the scholars who have written uh, about Sri Lankan English, they agree that... Uh, Compounding is the most productive one and burrowing is the most common morphological process. And even in the videos, it was all uh, almost all the burrowings. So I think uh, with the result that I came across, even in the videos and even in Sri Lankan English as a whole, we can say that uh, burrowing is the most common morphological process that occurs in Sri Lankan English. And is it mostly from uh, English or other English varieties or from uh, Tamil or Sinhala, as you mentioned before? It is from Sinhalese. Most commonly it is from Sinhalese, but also it occurs in other languages such as Tamil, Malay, Chinese. Now uh, there is a very vast community of Chinese uh, mm. population in Sri Lanka. So, of course, it can happen even between Chinese as well. And if we were to go, let, let's let's move outside of YouTube and social media, but let's go back to actual physical locations. Um, do you think that Sri Lankan English would borrow more from Tamil in some areas of Sri Lanka, more uh, from Sinhala, more from Chinese? And uh, would it would it change geographically uh, in terms of how much borrowing went on from each other language? Uh, yes, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Chinese population is very much uh, present in the Colombo district, Colombo, the commercial capital. So mm. the borrowing that occurs between Chinese and Sinhalese or English can be uh, very much high in Colombo uh, when comparing with other uh, districts in the country. So I think, uh, as you mentioned, the geographical location, of course, it matters. And uh, it, when we consider the frequency, even uh, these morphological processes are more likely to happen more often in Colombo. Uh, based on your uh, conclusions, you actually talk about um, the continued expansion of Sri Lankan English as a, as a variety. Do you have any predictions about any other developments? Have you noticed other examples in social media that maybe have in, inspired you to do further research? 
as I said earlier, language is always undergoing changes. We both know that. And I'm very much sure that there is much more than this to be discussed in Sri Lankan English with regard to this language change. So I should say today in Sri Lanka, uh, English is used for practically almost all purposes, but it is not the English of the colonizer. So it is the English of the once colonized so that it is Sri Lankan English with its borrowings and influences from other languages that are used in Sri Lanka. So it is constantly evolving and expanding like every other language. And also I should mention that there is a very huge gap between Sri Lankan English speech and writing. So the standard Sri Lankan English is influenced by mostly borrowings. So yeah, even we can observe in those videos, whole chunks of Sri Sinhalese expressions are most of the time, they are transferred and borrowed into English and also various Sinhalese and Tamil words are also inserted at various points in the act of speech. But it is very much contradictory when it comes to standard Sri Lankan English writing, it is conservative and it is evident that there is an effort to erase bilingualism or confine its use to specific spheres. Mm -hmm. So as an example, even though the Sri Lankan English borrowings are present in speaking contexts, in written context, they are considered as non-standard. And it shows the conflicts of, inter of independence and the forces of colonialism. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. uh, to study Sri Lankan English, thus Michael Mailer's dictionary, a dictionary of Sri Lankan English, certainly marks the beginning of the codification process of Sri Lankan English. And it is rather a usage guide to Sri Lankan English than a dictionary in the classical sense. He himself describes this as the central idea or the aim of the dictionary is to describe the way in which English is used in Sri Lanka and it attempts to define Sri Lankan English and to promote the acceptance of Sri Lankan English as one of the main established varieties of English as the international language. But this linguistic coming of age of Sri Lankan English, it highlights the absence of additional comprehensive reference works. Even when I was doing the research, I noticed that uh, there's a very limited amount of uh, codification process that has been done with regard to Sri Lankan English. So as one of the remarkable characters who has done many researches under Sri Lankan English is Manik Gunasekara. So she says, we have evolved our own standard variety of Sri Lankan uh, English, but we have not documented it. We speak it, we recognize it. We laugh at those who have not got there, but we cannot even describe it. So it's very sad and it is understandable that generally speaking, now local academic circles as well as scholars abroad should focus more on systematic documentation of Sri Lankan English and its development. As you ask for other social media platforms that inspired me to conduct further research, is the language usage in WhatsApp. Mm. I'm personally aware um, that there is a lot of lot to discuss under this area 
as WhatsApp is a widely used mobile application that mm -hmm. is used for both official and unofficial communication purposes. So it is undoubtedly a major phenomenon that highlights language change, the language usage in WhatsApp. So I'm sure it will reveal the creativity in the new forms and serve communicative functions. So with regard to Sri Lankan English, for what you asked, however, I must add, we know that for a particular language to be standardized according to Schneider's dynamic model, there are a few phases that a particular language must undergo. So as a country, Sri Lanka is still in the stage of endonormative stabilization. So mm. the gradual acceptance of local forms and a loyally established, uh, locally established linguistic self-confidence must build within its speakers, which is still very hard to find within speakers. Well, so then, that... well, can I well can I ask about that specifically? I, looking, at, you know, thinking about the the Schneider dynamic model, and as you say, uh, endonormative st stabilization. Uh, how acceptable, if that's a, the correct word for it, in Sri Lanka is the concept of Sri Lankan English? I mean, in the Philippines, the Philippine. Um, when I spoke to Professor Martin, that there is a, a confidence that their variety of English is Philippine English and there and there's a there's a certain pride to it and uh and, a, and an acceptance and a, and a warmth that they have that they have developed this variety that's uh endonormatively stabilized so how about in Sri Lanka is there still a a, a feeling that you want to look outside of uh Sri Lanka for the the variety that you want that as an end goal um What's your feeling on that topic? Yes. Um, so the acceptance of Sri Lankan English, people don't know that they speak this variety. Mm -hmm. They still think that this is the language of the colonizer or mm. this is the language of the queen. So they don't know that such a variety exists in Sri Lanka, except for the people who are in this field of academia. So I think uh, that is majorly because from the time English became the official language of Sri Lanka, it was taught as a variety of British English. Mm -hmm. So people still tend to look up for this uh, notion and they tend to forget that they have their own variety. Mm -hmm. And even mm -hmm. when it comes to phonology, morphology and syntax, there is a wide uh, difference between Sri Lankan English and uh, standard British English, but they don't know that. Only mm. the people in academia, they know that there is a concept called Sri Lankan English, and most of the people here speak Sri Lankan English, not any other variety of English. So the awareness and the acceptance is still lacking in the society, I think. Yeah, that tends to be the case, and uh, it's something that uh, is is a is a trend that it tends you know varieties of English or concepts of English as an international language tend to be accepted in academia first, and then they they yes. slowly move their way uh, down. And I, that I do is hope... why um, I said that there must be further research mm. and 
further codification must be done. There is only one um, Sri Lankan English dictionary, which was uh, mm. codified in the year 2007. Up until now, uh, I can't say how many words that have been added to the uh, Sri Lankan English glossary. Mm. So there is no codification after that. That's why I'm saying there should be proper codification and uh, further research must be done with regard to Sri Lankan English. And is that what you see in your future? Maybe the person who codifies Sri Lankan English to a better standard? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been speaking today with uh, Rupeshka Gunawadana uh, about her paper, an analysis of how current social media trends affect the transformation of Sri Lankan English morphological processes, a study based on Antineta YouTube channel. Thank you very much for sharing your time with us today, Rupeshka, and I wish you all the best with your future research. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you very much. If you'd like to contact the show, the best place to find out about us is our website, lostincitations.com. Here you can learn more about the background to this project and how you can get involved. Our hope is to help academics, educators, and online content producers get in contact with each other. Our email address is lostincitations at gmail.com. We also have Facebook and LinkedIn pages. Please rate and comment on the sites you use to download your podcasts. It helps us reach more potential listeners. But probably the most helpful thing you can do is, if you like our content, recommend it to a friend and let them know what we're trying to do. Thank you very much.